Welcome to OncoPharm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the Supporting Sponsor OncoPharm, ETSU's Bill Gadd College of Pharmacy. Today we're going to talk about uh, a, a new subset of non-small cell lung cancer, um, kind of about HER2 mutated non-small cell lung cancer. Now you might be um, familiar with people talking about HER2 positive breast cancer. I think purists would prefer the term HER2 amplified breast cancer because there's greater expression of the HER2 protein on the breast cancer cells or gastric cancer cells or whatever. We're talking about positive could be misleading. Uh, and this is the first uh, disease state we're going to talk about and, and then later the first drug approval not for HER2 amplified disease but for HER2 mutated disease. But first let's talk a little bit about metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. When I started uh, as a faculty uh, as, a, as a lowly assistant professor back in 2009, and I've at some point I'm going to make a gif of this, of how the slide has changed for metastatic non-small cell lung cancer treatment. Because in 2009, it was metastatic non-small cell lung cancer platinum doublet. Okay, it was one. Okay, <laughs> one bullet point platinum doublet, and then I could probably go on about which platinum doublets and for which patients and stuff, but it didn't matter. Okay, at that time. About a year later, or during that year, we learned that it mattered whether or not you were squamous or non-squamous histology with regards to the effectiveness of pemetrexid uh, or the lack thereof in uh, squamous cell uh, lung cancers. Uh, and then we started getting into EGFR mutated disease, ALK rearrangements, ROS1 rearrangements, um, high expression of PD-L1, uh, BRAV V600E mutations, RET rearrangements, uh, INTREC 1, 2, or 3 gene fusions, MET exon 14 skipping mutations, and then the KRAS G12C mutation, and now we add a HER2 mutation to that. So you're looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, now 9 uh, genetic mutations or rearrangements or fusion proteins to look for in a metastatic non-small cell lung cancer patient on top of histology and on top of pdl one expression. Um, and none of that was there in 2009. Now, of course it was there in the tumors. Like, you know, it's not like suddenly we have HER2 mutated non-small cell lung cancer and it's never been there before. It's probably been there since the beginning of time, as long as people got lung cancer. Uh, we just didn't know to look for it. Uh, so think about that in the future. There are probably lots and lots of other mutations that we don't know yet, um, that we're not smart enough to, to look for or know uh, how to find. So let's talk about this HER2 mutant non-small cell lung cancer. It appears to only arise in adenocarcinoma. Um, I say appears to because everything I says is, is all adenocarcinoma, uh, but um, I don't know if anyone's looked for it specifically in squamous. I'm sure it could be. So mostly all adeno. Um, the incidence appears to be 1.7% to 3%. I don't know if that is in all um, non-small cell lung cancer, only the metastatic setting, or, or even only in the adeno uh, setting. But anyway, less than 5%. Not terribly common, but again, lots of lung cancer out there, so something that is, is going to be um, you know, fairly uh, commonly encountered. Now, the... Um, you know, her two. I remember as a pharmacy student in 2003, 2004, having to, um, on a pathophysiology exam, having to draw the uh, the her two protein and the cascade 
down to the uh, down to the nucleus and everything that was level of detail we had whether or not that was because it was that important to cancer pathogenesis or because that's what this professor what his research was I don't know but I remember coming away thinking her too uh, is causes a lot of cancer and we're going to target her too in all sorts of cancers and that's been certainly overwhelmingly successful in breast cancer uh, and has made its way into gastric cancer um, uh, where it's a standard of care for her to amplified gastric cancer and adenos maybe even the GEJ junction um, now, so it's been tried uh, because her too is human epidermal growth factor two just like epidermal growth factor receptor, EGFR1, constitutively uh, expressed in lots and lots of epithelial tissue. So it has been uh, targeted in non-small cell lung cancer, and, and the history of, of trastuzumab, pertuzumab, TKIs, whatever, is, is pretty much a boulevard of broken dreams in, in non-small cell lung cancer, little to no response rates. In 2018, we get a publication in JCO, in JCO of Katsila, or trastuzumab uh, imtanzine, TDM1, um, 18 patients, all adenocarcinomas, overall response rate, uh, 44%. Um, that's 8 of 14 patients. Um, this was a phase 2 basket study that appears to still be ongoing, and that was an early publication. Uh, that study was started in 2016 and is going to run until 2024. It's enrolling, I think, people for colorectal cancer and endometrial cancer, salivary, other with HER2 mutations, as well as some lung that had HER2 amplified disease, which we know uh, didn't really work very well, uh, even with trastuzumab imtanzine. Now, what I cannot figure out is why the trastuzumab imtanzine folks, who have a response rate of 44%, sure it's a low N, less than 20, um, why they were not able to enroll more patients um, and maintain that response rate of 44%. Now, the 95% concert was 22 to 69%, so it could be quite a bit lower. But as far as I know, they never sought a, an approval from the FDA for, for TDM1, for trastuzumab for HER2-mutated non-small cell lung cancer, despite being the first HER2 antibody drug conjugate uh, to the party here. Don't know if that's just low enrollment, uh, if you know the data they have enrolling more patients showed it didn't work as well. Uh, don't know, the, the duration of response was relatively short, um, about four to five months maybe, okay? So that leads us to uh, last year, 2021, trastuzumab deruxtecan, HER2, taking over the breast cancer uh, HER2 space here. Uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine, we get a publication of Destiny Lung 01. Notably, the lead author on this study is uh, Bob T. Lee, uh, Lee spelled L-I, or Lai, I think it's probably Lee, um, was also the primary author on the trastuzumab deruxtecan study in 2008, published in JCO. So same lead author, in this space for HER2 mutant non-small cell lung cancer. And that's what Destiny Lung 01 is. There actually was, a, I think, a, a HER2 expression cohort, but what's reported here is just the HER2 mutant cohort. They have 91 patients. Notably, they originally planned to enroll 40 patients in the HER2 mutant cohort and expanded that to 90 uh, mid-study. I think they're all adenocarcinoma. The only time the word adenocarcinoma appears in the publication is in the references. Um, now they are starting. They are studying these folks at 6.4 mg per kg every three weeks IV, which is the dose in gastric cancer, not the 5.4 mg per kg that's the dose in breast cancer. That'll be important when we get to the approval of this drug in a second. 34% uh, of these patients were Asian, 57% were never smokers, and 93% um, had a kinase domain mutation in HER2. We'll come back to that. 
So at a dose of 6.4 mix per kg, the overall response rate was 54%. All of those were partial responses except for one. Uh, median duration response was 9.3 months. So response rate, if you make the dangerous cross-trial comparison, is in the ballpark of trastuzumab and tanzine, but the duration of response is, is about twice as long, okay? What is really worrisome is that 26% uh, of people had interstitial lung disease. Two patients died uh, from that, it appears from the study, including one patient who the investigator said was grade three. And then when it was adjudicated, so when it was judged by the, uh, by the sponsors uh, and, and, or independent investigators, um, I'm not sure who, it was a grade five. So I don't know how you call something a grade three and then at a second look it's a grade five. Odd. Um, so getting back to this, that's a lot of interstitial lung disease. And then that brings us to um, Destiny Lung O2, which was a randomized study, which sounds like it's good. It's really a dose comparison study. 6.4 versus 5.4 mix per kick. And that is what led to the approval last week on August 11th of uh, trastuzumab drugstican, sorry, FAM trastuzumab drugstican. Uh, and by the way, if you're not familiar with these um, these leading numbers, so or these leading um three-letter things, ADO, trastuzumab and tanzine, FAM, trastuzumab deruxtecan. The reason that is there, that ADO or that TRAM, is so the folks in the pharmacy stocking the drug, or if you're trying to order the drug in an EHR, it, that you don't accidentally search trastuzumab and and, uh, and and prescribe the wrong drug, or so that a pharmacist or pharmacy technician doesn't doesn't pull the wrong drug from uh, you know the wrong drug vial. It's to prevent uh, look-alike, sound-alike drug errors. So anyway, back to Destiny Long O2, 6.4 mix per kg versus 5.4, not been published, not been presented. Uh, all we have is the press release and the FDA approval letter. Uh, so from that, we know that at uh, the efficacy cohort, which is like 50 patients at 5.4 mix per kg, 79% uh, of these patients were Asian, by the way. Um, the overall response rate is 58%, uh, which is similar to the 54% at the higher dose. So it appears that the dose does not affect response, but the lower dose at 5.4 had had less interstitial and these 12% uh, at that lower dose, and we saw the 26% at the 6.4 dose in uh, the lung one study that was previously published. Now, the reason I mentioned that, you know, the high incidence of, of Asian patients and never smokers is this was the original story with HER2, or sorry, with EGFR mutated non-small cell lung cancer. And I tweeted this and shared this on Instagram if you follow the account from DeepNib uh, or, uh, or Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, this was like the third or fourth podcast I ever did was the evolution of, her, of EGFR inhibitors. And it's looking similar to this for HER2 mutant non-small cell lung cancer. And these are, these are uh, proteins in the same uh, EGFR receptor family. So perhaps not surprising. All right, let's dig back in a little bit about where these mutations are. The approval is any HER2 mutation as far as I can find. Now, I mentioned that in, uh, in the Long O1 study, which has been published, that 93% of patients had a kinase domain mutation. That would be inside the cell, intracellular, at the, the activity site, right? The, the, the thing that makes it go, the on switch, as I call it, for these, uh, these transmembrane uh, receptors. Um, the most common kinase domain mutation is an exon 20 mutation or insertion. So if I look at the waterfall plot, which can be a little bit misleading, but if you just count the number of exon 20 mutations that they report there, uh, it was um, 76. And that was a, a, 
I think 54 responded or something like that. That's a 71% response rate in an exon 20 mutation. It's inside the cell. If you look at the exon 8 mutations in the extracellular domain, one out of five or 20% had a response rate. So even though the approval is for all mutations, certainly looks like you're more likely to have a response if the mutation is inside the cell and the kinase domain mutation. Um, now, this is not a tyrosine kinase inverter. It doesn't fit into that tyrosine kinase domain like a TKI typically does. The way this drug is purported to work is it binds to the HER2 receptor outside the cell, is internalized, and then a topoisomerase 1 payload is released that causes the cell death. Interestingly, um, there were, I, I think, uh, in my counting, there were nine patients on the study who had no expression of HER2 on the cell. No expression of HER2 on the cell, but they did have a HER2 mutation. Okay, but you, but there was no HER2, no HER2 expression outside the cell on immunohistochemistry. Of those nine patients who had no HER2 expression, six of the nine had a response. So if there's no HER2 outside the cell, but there's mutated HER2 inside the cell, it makes sense that targeting HER2 could work. But how does the antibody get there? Kind of under, kind of maybe. Um, uh, makes you think that a lot of this is the topoisomerase 1 uh, activity, maybe not so much HER2 uh, activity. But certainly something here, it's, a, it's an active drug. Anytime you have a response rate to more than 50% in metastatic disease, it, it is interesting. Um, another thing that maybe this is just noise from the Lung 01 study is that the response rate was about 65% in patients who had prior immunotherapy and 54% in those who didn't. So whether or not that is, that could just be noise. It probably is, but it might be something, certainly something to watch that, that I'll be looking for uh, down the road here um, for this. So that is what I have for today. HER2 mutated non-small cell lung cancer. I got to update my slides again. Every year I have to update my slides about treating metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. I really have to ask myself, what, what good is it to update them every year when the next year they're going to be different? Um, you know, there, it, it's uh, like, shoveling uh, or, or bucketing water out of a canoe with a hole in it sometimes. It feels like trying to keep up in teaching oncology. So that's what I have for this week. Um, we'll be back next week with, an, with another episode. Thank you so much for listening. I've already talked about where you can find me on the social medias. Uh, so just remember, as, as Destiny Lung 01 and 02 uh, illustrate, doses matter. Mm -hmm.